0: Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would continue to move and breathe upon us and that Lord, you would minister to us, teach us, we pray in these moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll go as quick as I can, folks. If you have your Bible, we're turning back to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And we kind of pick up a little bit where we left off last week. We're journeying through the passage of Mark 5. We're looking specifically at the story of Jairus. Here's the story of where we've been, and here's the story, or the summary rather, of what's going on in the passage so far to bring us up to speed with where we jump into. These are the verses we looked at, verse 21 to 24, and the story goes that Jesus has arrived on the shore of Galilee to be greeted by this welcome and expecting crowd, and as he's welcomed by the crowd, a man named Jairus, who's a synagogue leader, falls at his feet and tells him that his 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, is sick and dying, and he asks Jesus to come to his house to minister to her. Jesus agrees, and he begins the journey to Jairus' house, which is where we left the passage off. But here's a summary of the bit that we kind of jump over to continue focusing on the story of, Nara, of, of Jairus, and that is that en route, Jesus is interrupted by a woman who's been suffering from bleeding for the past 12 years. She spent all her money on doctors, we're told, and her condition only gets worse instead of getting better. And this woman hears about Jesus, hears about the things that he's been doing, and what she hears causes her to believe that if she can just reach out and touch the edge of his cloak, then she will be healed. And that is exactly what she does, and that is exactly what happens. She reaches out, she touches the edge of his garment, and she's instantly healed. However, when this happens... Jesus stops the crowd to ask who touched him. And at this point, the woman comes trembling to his feet, tells her the whole story of how she has been wonderfully healed when she made this connection to Christ. And that brings us to the passage that we jump into today. The passage shifts from the focus on Jairus to focusing on the woman with the issue of blood and then comes back to the focus on Jairus again, which is in verse 35. And it says, while Jesus was still speaking... Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. Now, when we looked at this passage last week, we looked at it through the lens of intercession. Jairus has connected with Jesus so that Jesus would connect with his daughter. He came and he brought a request on behalf of his daughter, a request that she couldn't bring herself. And this, we said, was a stunning picture for us of intercession. In intercession, we connect with Jesus on behalf of others. And in some senses, we bring requests and petitions that perhaps they cannot bring themselves. And as we come and connect with him, we ask him to bring change and transformation. Not for ourselves, but for another. And in Jairus' moment of intercession, we said last week, it involved a significant level of change. He had to change his position on Jesus. And on top of that, he changed his position physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the result of this change of posture in both his heart and in his body is seen in verse 24, where it says, Jesus went with him. Jairus' intercession, his posture, his position, his approach moved the heart of Jesus. And as a result, Jesus began to journey with Jairus. He went with him. Jesus begins to journey to Jairus' house. And as he does, he is led by Jairus the synagogue leader, he comes and he connects with Jesus. He asks Jesus to manifest within his world, to minister to his daughter. And the outcome of his request, the result of his intercession, is that Jesus begins a journey with him. And this is significant because what this single, small sentence reveals to us is huge. Jairus begins a journey in the presence of Christ. He is up close and personal with Jesus. He's up close and personal with the one that this whole crowd have turned out to see. He's walking next to him. He is journeying alongside him. He is functioning and moving in his presence. Many people only ever caught a glimpse of Jesus from the edge of the crowd or from the outskirts of the mob. Everywhere he went, people would flock round him, forcing him at times to adjust the way that he addressed the crowd, climbing up hillsides to get a good viewpoint or, or going out in a boat into shallow water and, and preaching and speaking to the crowd from there. When Jesus turned up in an area, people crowded round him, sometimes to the extent that houses became packed out and people even made some structural alterations and installed makeshift skylights in order just to get near to him. But here is Jairus, and he's up close and personal. He is standing physically in the presence of Jesus. And more than that, he's actually journeying with Jesus to see Christ manifest in his world. And as we begin to look at that, the lessons on intercession continue. We learn that intercession is not an event, it's a process. As we watch Jairus journeying with Jesus, that journey teaches us that intercession is not a event, it's a process. Intercession is about making a connection with Jesus and more than that, it's about beginning to journey with him and beginning a journey with him that results in him manifesting radical transformation in the worlds round about us. There is tremendous power in intercession. Intercession has the ability To unlock supernatural change within circumstances and within moments. And as we recognize that, we have to recognize something really important. And that is that change begins. That supernatural change begins with us making a connection with Jesus. But much more than that, it begins when we are willing to make the journey with Jesus in intercession. It involves putting in the work. Being willing to play the long game. Continuing steadfastly, pressing in, laying hold, then pressing in and laying hold some more. In fact, it it can become so much about laying hold of Jesus and refusing to let go. One thing it always involves is a journey, a process, a continuous perseverance. But here's the thing quite often when we begin that process and in intercession, when we connect with Jesus out of a desire to see him minister to others, often what happens is that we begin a journey and in actual fact, often what happens is that Jesus begins a journey with us. We come to him asking him to minister to the life of others and in doing so, he actually begins a work within us. Yeah. To intercede is to journey It is the journey with Jesus while carrying the burden of another. It's a very significant journey. It's a very important journey. It's a journey that actually is a privilege. And that journey involves us being up close and personal with Jesus. And Jairus, he made such a journey. The passage says Jesus went with him. The wording and the order is important here. It could read that Jairus took Jesus to his home. Or it could read that Jairus led Jesus to where his daughter was. Or it could even read, so they set off together to Jairus' house. But specifically, it says Jesus went with him. The order of the wording is important because it puts Jesus in the driving seat. If it said Jairus took him to his house, Jairus is in the driving seat. But actually, no, Jesus went with him. He's in control here. And he begins the journey with Jairus and every step on that journey was intercession because every step that Jairus took with Jesus was a step closer to Jesus ministering in the life of his daughter. We take encouragement from that because there's times that we can come and we can intercede about something and we don't see any change and we intercede a bit more and we don't see any change and we intercede a bit more and we don't see any change and we can become disheartened but the thing that we have to understand is that every step we take in intercession is a step closer to the breakthrough, is a step closer to seeing him minister within that circumstance. And within this crowd, gathering around Jesus, pressing in on him, all vying for his attention, all wanting to be near to get a glimpse of him and what he's doing. You could imagine that with the dynamics of the crowd, that Jairus would have been constantly navigating Jesus, almost like a hand at his back or around his shoulder, navigating him through openings in the crowd. Come on, it's this way to my house. We need to go along this way and we're just going to go down here. You could imagine him almost guiding and, 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 and navigating Jesus towards his house. Jairus journeyed with Jesus, and every step he took, he took with the intention and the desire to bring the presence and the power of Jesus to his little girl. This was his focus the entire time that he was interacting with Jesus. To intercede is to journey intimately with Jesus, taking each step in the closeness of his presence with the burden of another as your focus and allowing that burden to determine, to dictate and to direct the way that you journey with him. If we are to truly intercede, then we've got to be ready to journey with him. We've got to be ready to press in and lay hold of him and then to press in and lay hold of him again and then to press in and lay hold of him again and again to come close and connect with him and to journey with him and to not let go of him until he tells us to let go or until we see change manifesting within the circumstance that we lay hold of him for. However, the inference that we're making so far in this thought process is that Jesus began a journey with Jairus and we mean that in more than just the literal sense. When we ask God to minister in the life of another and we begin the process of intercession, often God begins a work within us too. We can see it in the case of Jairus here. Jairus's journey of intercession from the point of connection to the place of transformation is a journey that would have taught him loads. What would he have learned in his intercession journey? Well, as his journey is interrupted by the suffering woman, he actually would have learned a lot. He would have learned about a woman who his religious beliefs would have deemed as unclean and classified as abandoned by God. In his journey with Jesus, he learned and actually saw that she was accepted by God and loved by Him. He learned the story of this woman's life, one he never would have heard or never would have taken time to understand because, well, she's a woman after all, and his religion and his societal framework deems her as second class due to her gender, and her condition most certainly meant that she would not have been one that he would have interacted with or given the time of day. But here in the presence of Jesus, he hears her story. He hears her. He hears how this woman's life has been marked by suffering, how her physical suffering has left her in poverty, spending all that she has on doctors but not finding relief. He heard the story of her living in physical pain and living in financial difficulty. He heard her. He saw her. He understood her and her journey and what she's been carrying. His journey of intercession changed his view and his vision of others. And folks, when we begin to intercede, our journey of intercession changes our view and our vision of others. Jairus had no choice but to see what Jesus saw. He was walking alongside them. He was up close and personal with them. So when Jesus stopped, he stopped. When Jesus shifted his focus, he shifted his focus also. When the woman came before Jesus, she came before Jairus as well, because Jairus was journeying alongside Jesus. This woman had the attention of Jesus, and therefore she had the attention of the synagogue leader as well. As Jesus listened to this woman, Jairus did too. He saw her, he heard her, he understood her, he comprehended the pain she had, the struggle she faced, the burden she bore, and he saw the change in her circumstances. He saw the miracle that she carried, and he heard the experience that she shared of what went on within her body, what she encountered, what she felt, what happened when she connected with Jesus. This woman who he would never have entertained, This woman who he would never have accepted and never would have given his attention to or even valued, he was forced almost to see her, to hear her, to value her, because he was journeying with Jesus, and Jesus saw her, and Jesus heard her, and Jesus valued her. And this journey Jairus is beginning to see like Jesus. He's beginning to hear like Jesus. He's beginning to feel like Jesus. You see, our journey of intercession changes us. When we begin to journey with Jesus whilst carrying the burden of another, we begin to see as Jesus sees. We begin to view the world as he does. We begin to process things as he processes things. And as part of this, we begin to respond with his response. We begin to value what he values and we begin to have the attitude And the mindset of Christ Jesus. When we truly, sincerely, deeply. Begin a journey of intercession. When we commit to carry the burden of another. In the presence of Christ. He changes us. And he changes us to be more like him. When we journey with God with the heart and the focus of serving the needs of another, we are changed into his likeness. Intercession is one of the most powerful forms of spiritual formation and a significant catalyst for Christ's likeness. Because when we begin the process of intercession, we imitate Christ. He journeyed from heaven to earth to serve the needs not of himself but of humanity. He journeyed through life, serving the needs of the people he came in contact with. He journeyed to the cross, carrying with him the burden of the entire world. His focus from Gethsemane to Golgotha was to serve the needs, not of himself, but of others. And he was obedient to God. He took the journey that God would have him take and he took that journey willingly. He engaged in the process and he would not back down, give up or let up until he'd served the purpose that he had been given and invoked change within the lives of humanity. And then... He rose from the dead, and He journeyed through the heavens, where He now sits enthroned at the right hand of majesty, and in the presence of God, He ever lives to make intercession for us. So, when we begin the walk of intercession. When we begin to carry the burdens of others, when we journey with God, with the specific focus of serving the needs of another and not of ourselves, we're actually united with Christ's heart. We begin to function in that moment with the heart of Jesus. We are changed, therefore, more into his likeness. And in this process of intercession, we begin to learn from his heart. And we begin to learn, move, and function with his heart. We begin to see as he sees. We begin to feel as he feels. Our attention is drawn to what his attention is drawn to. We begin to value what he values and our attitudes begin to change. The biggest catalyst for spiritual formation and therefore one of the most bravest and the most courageous steps of discipleship that we can ever take is to begin to intercede. Because when we do fully, selflessly and with serious resolve, We will never be the same again. This moment in Mark 5 was one that brought radical change and challenge to the life of this orthodox, conservative synagogue leader. And whether he liked it or not, he was being changed by what he encountered as he journeyed with Jesus in intercession. And almost by default, he ended up with a front row seat on this unnamed woman's encounter with Christ. And the question that arises in that then is, well, all of that's lovely and that sounds great, but why? Why? On one hand, all that we've outlined is great, but there is another way that we could look at this. Because you can bet that while all of this is unfolding, the woman coming and touching the edge of his cloak and everything stopping, you could imagine that Jairus was probably getting a little bit impatient. They're on their way to bring healing to this little girl. She's so sick, she's so poorly that he would have been eager to get Jesus to her. And suddenly they stop with this distraction. Jesus has stopped to ask, who in this huge crowd of people has touched him? And Jairus is like, seriously, seriously, Jesus? There's crowds of people touching in all round about you. This crowd is mahusav It's bigger than the queue for the Blue Lagoon chip shop before the last train home on a Saturday night. People are banging into him, right, left, and center. And suddenly it seems as though Jesus is getting a bit precious and a bit of a diva. And is like, who touched me? Who touched me? And then as if that wasn't frustrating enough, this woman eventually comes forward. She took her time, didn't she? She eventually comes forward and breaks the awkward silence that Jesus seems to be enjoying, but nobody else is. And then she begins to tell her story in all of its detail. And he's probably standing there giving it that, yeah, yeah, wrap this up, get to your point, love. Let's move on, bring this into land. And I'm sure you guys probably wouldn't know what it's like to sit there while someone's rabbiting on going, yeah, yeah, wrap it up, get to your point, bring this into land. But this man's probably sitting there or standing there thinking, get to the point, woman. We've got to get to my daughter. And while this unnecessary detour is happening, Messengers arrive and deliver the worst possible news any parent could ever receive. Jairus, your daughter has died. In an instant, his whole world caved in. Yeah. Yeah. But he'd connected with Jesus. He'd begun a journey with him, a journey to see him minister to his daughter, and they were making great progress on that journey. He was getting closer and closer to seeing Jesus manifest in his world, and, and now his daughter is dead. I just must have felt disappointed with Jesus. He'd asked Jesus to come and Jesus had agreed. The wave of relief he must have felt when Jesus said, sure, I'll come to your house. Yeah. That moment, that feeling of anxiety lifting and the inward hope beginning to bubble up is all going to be okay. But now, now was too late. And to make matters worse, the icing on the cake, He's standing next to someone who's flipping filled with the joys of the Lord because of what Jesus has just done in her life. She's just experienced a miracle in her life and he's just missed out on seeing his. She's on top of the world and his world has just ended. Ever been there? Ever been in the place where the journey with Jesus carries moments of disappointment? When God doesn't turn up the way we want Him to or when we want Him to. When you pray and you intercede and you make the journey of intercession and just as you think the answer is within grasp and the outcome seems close and is within reach, suddenly the worst possible outcome happens and the answer doesn't come and the resolution is not what you've anticipated or expected. There are times in life when we can feel disappointed in life. And there are times when, if we're honest, we can be disappointed with God. The journey of faith can be marked with disappointment. It's not always zippity-doo-dah. And I don't know about you, but I always feel that just as I'm having my breakdown, there's always someone beside me having their breakthrough. So annoying, isn't it? Just as I'm having my breakdown, there's someone flipping right there, having the joyous moment of God doing everything they've ever asked. And you're like, this is not fair. Look at what happened with Jairus. While Jesus was still speaking, some people come from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, why bother the teacher anymore, they said messengers who bring the word to Jairus tell him not to bother the teacher anymore. There's, like, there's no point. Jairus has no idea that Jesus' plan is actually to raise his daughter from the dead and restore her to him healthy and well. So actually his sense of disappointment is rooted in his lack of understanding of the purpose of God in that situation. His disappointment, which is natural, which any of us would feel if we were in his shoes, well, sandals, That disappointment comes from a human perspective of the circumstance, not a God perspective. Could it be the moments when we feel disappointment with God in our journey of faith are actually the moments when we're looking at the circumstances and the situations before us from our perspectives and not from God's perspective? Could it be then that in those moments when disappointment begins to set in that actually the first thing we need to do is to pause, turn our focus to Him and say, could you give us your perspective? on this? Look at the human perspective here. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? The human perspective is this. There's nothing more that can be done here. It's the end of the road. It's all over. The girl is dead. But notice something really important. Notice that the messengers say, why bother the teacher anymore? They describe Jesus as the teacher. The seen then is that they clearly don't get who he is and what he's capable of. They call him teacher. He's more than just a rabbi. He's the son of the living God. Now many reckon that they calling him teacher is actually just a sign of respect and honor. It's not meant to diminish who he was, but regardless of what they call him, you can see in the message that is sent to Jairus that there is a lack of understanding of Jesus. You can hear in the statement, why bother the teacher? You can hear the belief that they thought that Jairus was onto a fool's errand in the first place. In their minds, it's almost as though he's just clutching at straws, he's reaching out for anything that might bring hope, and he's not dealing with the fact that this girl is going to die. The Greek word that's used here for bother, why bother the teacher anymore, it means to harass. So it's like the suggestion in this message is that there was no merit in his connection in the first place, because what they view him as doing is just harassing and bothering the teacher. They don't understand who he is and they don't understand what he's capable of doing. They have no perspective of God, so it's impossible for them to see this from God's perspective. Here's an important lesson here. Don't let those who don't understand Jesus prevent you from connecting with all that he has for you. If Jairus had listened to these men, if he had followed their advice, he'd have just walked away from Jesus, slipped away into the crowd, completely missed the miracle that Jesus was about to do. He could have taken their advice to not bother him anymore, walked away and missed the plan and purpose of God for that moment completely. Don't allow those who have no perspective of God to prevent you from seeing things from God's perspective and to cause you to abandon the purpose of God entirely. Jesus turns to him and he says this, don't be afraid, just believe. Luke's version says this, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. Now, I need to go on my hobby horse again. I'm sure you come used to that. Many people could read this statement from Jesus and use it to preach a faith-healing theology. If you're not afraid, and if you believe enough, and if you have enough faith, healing will come. But I don't think that this is what Jesus is communicating here when he makes this statement. Rather, what is happening here is that Jesus is giving Jairus a perspective on God as well as giving him God's perspective on his situation. He's saying to him, don't worry, don't be afraid. With God, there is no end to the road. With God, there is always more that can be done. With God, nothing is over until he says it is over. He's assuring Jairus. These guys are looking at this thing from a human perspective, but let me give you a little bit of a perspective of God. There are no ends to God's road. There are no blockades. There are no barriers. There are no dead ends. There are no finales. It ain't over till he says it's over. So don't be afraid, just believe but believe what? Well, Jairus has just had a front row seat on this random woman's encounter. She's battled with her illness for 12 years. She spent all that she had on doctors. They couldn't cure her. There was nothing that could be done. She hit the end of the road until she heard about Jesus. Until she got a perspective on God. And when she understood that Jesus was turning impossible situations around. She came and she connected with him. And what from a human perspective seemed like the terminal became God's transformation. See Jesus was doing a work in Jairus. He was changing his perspective on God, but actually, more than that, he was allowing him to see the situation from God's perspective. He turns to Jairus and he says, Don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus wasn't delivering faith healing doctrine here. He was giving Jairus God's perspective on the situation. He was revealing the plan and purpose of God. See, according to Luke, God's plan and purpose was healing. In actual fact, the Greek word that's used for she will be healed is the word sozo, which means to save and to deliver. The King James translation translates Jesus as saying this, fear not, believe only, and she will be made whole. Jesus is saying she's going to be saved and delivered from death. In moments of disappointment and in moments of difficulty, we must seek to view the situations, not from our human perspective, but from God's perspective. We must connect to his voice, and let what he says motivate us to hold on and not let go, but rather to hold on, persevere, and to believe. The journey of intercession is a journey that changes our perspective on God and teaches us to view life situations from God's perspective. Two components can be found in this story. They help us to shape our perspective of God and understand what his perspective of situations could be. And we don't have time to go into them this morning. Time is gone. So let me just outline them for you. Two things were present for Jairus. One was the story and testimony of the woman. And the second was the voice of Jesus announcing the plan of God. This woman's story, her testimony, challenged his perspective on God in so many ways. And the voice of Jesus allowed him to see from God's perspective. Motivation in the midst of disappointment, motivation in the midst of pain and hardship is found in changing our perspective. It's when our perspective of God causes us to look beyond a human perspective to begin to see from God's perspective. God wants to change the way that we view him in order to change the way that we we view the world around us in order to change the view of what we believe that he can do within our circumstances. And he uses two things to do that. He uses the story and the testimony of others which we've heard today. And he uses his word and his voice to reveal his plan and purpose to us. In this season, we believe that God is strengthening our muscle of intercession, that he's leading us as a church to see change and change in culture through intercession. And we have to realize that intercession is not a process. It's not an event, sorry, it's a process. It's a journey. In church, we've got to be willing to commit to that journey. To press in and lay hold. And to press in and lay hold again and to press in and lay hold and not let go until he tells us to or until change is evoked and manifest and there's something on us at the moment and I don't quite get it I am not naturally an intercessor I'm not but I sense that he's calling us into that place and as we do it's interesting that we've said we're going for fruitfulness, we're going for discipleship and one of the greatest catalysts For Christ's likeness, for discipleship as intercession. Because when we come and we say, this is not about me, but we're coming to serve your plan and we're coming to serve the world around us, we become like him. And he begins to allow us to see as he sees, to view things as he views them, to value what he values, to feel what he feels. He begins to change our heart to become more like him greatest form of spiritual formation is intercession and so he's releasing us into that and one of the things that we have to begin to do is not to view things from a human perspective but an intercession to come and say God show us your perspective and we want to connect with that and we want to pray that into being our time is gone but I just wonder if we could as we have Could we lay hold of him again in these closing moments of our service? Could we lay hold of him this time in intercession? Could we come into the presence of Christ carrying the burdens of others? Would you stand with me please?